Welcome to episode 416 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 416 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? He's on top of the world. You've got, you got your headset on. I can see you. Normally, we do the Skype calls when we're away from each other. We don't have the camera on because we get offended by each other's faces. But today, we thought we'd do it. And I can see you. You're looking, you're looking, you, got the, you look like a professional, oh. mate. I should even give you the view out the out the window to Manalani. You'll be able to see the uh, the pool in the background. I'll give you a view of Jake Naked Naked Joe. No. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Don't know if I want that. (laughs) Uh, So, what are you at Manalani, are you? Manalani. Manalani. And we're just um, about to pack up and get the hell out of here later on this afternoon. Well, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. I've been nailing that stuff over the last week or so. And I've got Bevan's stuff to bring home as well. Good times. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And trainerroad.com. Team, get on if you want to get better on the bike. Okay, guys, in this week's show, it's, it, admittedly, it's a bit ad-libbed, and it's probably going to be the shortest show we've done in a long time. Actually, John, I went back and listened to an old show. We got an, we got an, um, an email, which I'll bring up in the next couple of weeks, but I maybe go back and listen to one of the old shows, like I Am Talk 66, or I Am Man Talk 66, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we went to an hour 10, and we say, oh, sorry if we've gone a bit long today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how times have changed. So we've got some news. We've got, uh, we've got basically uh, the discussion of the week. And then it's pretty much just going to be a bit of a wrap-up of John's race. We'll get a few interviews with the guys from the Epic Camp. And uh, from there, they'll, they'll pretty much be us. So, uh, Jombo, yep. let's start with the news. So a bunch of results from this weekend. Yeah, there was, it was a busy weekend. We didn't really have any Ironman action going on. Um, but there was some... some Plenty of 73 sound traps, and uh, over here we'll talk about my 70.3 later on. We had Brent McMahon completely dominate the dojo over here in Kona, and uh, we'll also talk about some other stuff. Oh, I might as well do it now. Go so on. Craig Alexander, Craig Alexander uh, was was a very distant second, but then he got DQ'd um, oh, really? for wearing a. He wore, you know. In these days, a lot of the guys wear these little short sleeve sort of tri suits, and it sort of goes down over their biceps, not quite as far as their, their elbow. And you, you can't wear those in the swim, and he wore that in the swim. He probably wore a swim skin over the top, and you, you're not allowed anything um, below your shoulder. And he did, and so he got disqualified. But he was a very distant second. He is was about silly? Is, it, is it silly application of rules, or is it a silly rule? Like, what's the, what's the point of that rule? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a rule. It's in place. He broke it. You've got to disqualify him. You can't. You can't. You but, can't but, not but what, do that. But, but it's a silly rule. It is. It is a bit of a silly rule because I don't think you really get any advantage out of it. Uh, so you know, um, the material does not help you in the swim. Um, no advantage. It obviously means you can transition a little bit quicker. So I guess it's something they need to look at. But at this stage, it's a rule, and he broke it, and so it got busted. Bit of a bad look for the race because it is an incredible event. Uh, and this year they had that happen, which takes a bit of gloss off. Uh, and then last year they also had Bree Wee, who met some, somehow managed to run off the course and get disqualified. Well, uh, and uh, go the wrong way when she was leading. So, but other than that, uh, Brent McMahon took it out very, get, very comfortably. Did they get many good pros there? Like, what was the field like? No, 
No, it was basically Brent McMahon, and then Crowey was uh, seven minutes back, but got DQ'd, and then uh, so it ended up that Brent McMahon won by nineteen minutes. Oh, really? And wow! Wow! You don't see that often nowadays, do you? Not in the male field. Yeah, and I did. I did not have a great race, and I was seventh overall. So I think that sort of shows uh, I didn't have a terrible race, but you know I shouldn't be getting seventh in, in professional events. So uh, the girls' race was actually quite close. Angela Neath took it out from Bree Wee and Melanie McQuaid, and they all have a bit of a, a ding dong battle out there. And it was uh, it was good racing. Then we had some other seventy point threes around the world. We had the ITU World Duathlon Tramps. We had. Benoit, Nicholas Benoit take that out and Sandra Levinez. Uh, we had some other 70.3s in rally. Matt Charbot took that out and Amy Marsh. And then in Switzerland, we had Boris Stein and Daniela Reef take out 70.3s. So quite a bit of action. Also had some pretty interesting ITU news. Uh, Mola took out the race in London, his first uh, ITU win. Now, I saw this. Brown, now, so the, the, the question I have, because Brownie's got fourth and fifth and Gomez sixth, so something happened in the race. What happened? It was all very close. It wasn't – I only watched the three-minute highlight package, but it basically came down to a, to a bit of a, a pack run with um, a number of them in contention. So whilst the Brownleys were fourth and fifth, yeah, they were only a handful of seconds off the um, – off, off being the, the front. But still, in the past, they would have been, uh, you know, thirty seconds up the road. So we had that. Um, we had that article on Try Two Four Seven last week talking about the dominance of the sport by these three athletes. And normally, if it's coming to a running race leading into the last part of the run, now, now if Moller's there, it's definitely he's one of those guys who can be there now. But you know, you wouldn't pick that they'd be coming out the back end of the pack. Mm. So it's um yeah, and Gomez was sixth as well, but he's done a huge amount of racing. So I think that just shows you know those um short you know sprint it was a sprint distance. It wasn't Olympic. Uh, so oh, Joe okay. walking past in the background there. Tell her she, did, she, did, she did have clothes on. She did. She's got her, her pink, <laughs> pink, <laughs> pink, pink undies on. <laughs> nice and. Um, so yeah, that, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how it goes because the Brownleys and Gomez have just been so dominant, and now they're just um, you know it's just still a little way out from the Olympics. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, coming up. And also other other things of note that I saw over the weekend was uh, Bevan Doherty had a really solid second place to Andy Potts at Alcatraz. You know, despite doing the Ironman stuff, he he put in a really good performance there. And Marinda Carfrey also um, got back on track, and she was second to um, Haskins. What was the field like there? Because you know, Pot seems to be pretty dominant at that race. Now Joe's hiding behind me. She walks past. <laughs> Just for the record team, she has got clothes on. So. Um, so, so, so Pot seems to dominate Albuquerque, doesn't he? Like, you know, like he's it's the race he just seems to come along to every year and are bloody well at. So, you know, what was the field like there? It's pretty. I mean, you got Bev Doherty, and it's pretty good. And you have some other, you know, sort of second tier good pros. So you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's a, a stacked field. I'm just pulling it up right now. So you had uh, Andy Potts, Bevan Doherty, Josh Amberger. He's a good Aussie, but Bevan and Potts were four minutes in front of those guys. Wow. You got Graham, o, Brad Graham O'Grady. So yeah, I wouldn't say Maddie Reed's in there. I wouldn't say it's a stellar, stellar field. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just good to see Bevan, Bevan uh, getting himself back on track. Yeah, and then uh, we've got this weekend, we've got Ironman Ken's coming up, and uh, we've yes. got to try rating to pull up the predictions, and what have we got here, Jombo? Brownie's in there, and he is uh, predicted to have a pretty solid day at 
office and be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how Brownie goes. You know, he had a very good New Zealand season, um, had uh, a very good 70.3, didn't, didn't uh, quite take it out at Ironman New Zealand, but still had a really solid race yeah. and came, came through in second place. So um, he hasn't, uh, we'll see how he goes. Tim, Tim Burkle is uh, likely to be pretty fast. Still really interested to see how Peter Robinson goes because if he wants to get to Kona, he's going to have to get in the first, uh, first couple there. So got Mitch yeah, Ramson there. Eighth well. in Melbourne, didn't he? Was it eighth? I think it was eighth. It was around it was, eighth. It was, it was around that. So he with, needs quite a lot of points. Yeah, with that and like a win or a top three here, he'd still need a few more points, wouldn't he? He, he would need a few. But yeah, probably get those seven point threes. Mm, he's got um, you know, he will he'll get four thousand points. Oh, it's a two thousand point race. And from memory, Torsten was saying I think you need about three thousand, middle of three thousand, yeah. something like that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. You've got Courtney Ogden in there as well, um, Jimmy Johnson. So it's a bit of a bit of an open race on the girls' side of things. We have uh, Liz Blatch, which should totally dominate the dojo. She's uh, expected to come in in nine hours eleven. Last year, she had a, a really good battle with uh, Gina Crawford. Um, um, you also have Asa Lundstrom in there and Rebecca Hoschke and, uh, yeah, only got seven pro girls. And that's pretty much the news for this week, Jumbo. So, sponsor. <laughs> yes. So, athletes love it. Uh, you know, I, um, we're going to talk about my race later on, but I was fourth age grouper overall. and I, you know, I was seventh overall, fourth age grouper, but only third in my age group. I was going, what's all that about? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> well, it's funny, John, because so, I, was, I was at um, I did doing the commentary work at the Christchurch Marathon, and um, a guy called Mike Rob Robinson was. I was just later on the day, you know, when you're waiting for the last kind of two athletes to come along, there's this guy standing next to the stage, and started having a yarn to him, and it turned out he was a triathlete um, called Mike Robinson. Do you know Mike Robinson? Based out of, I think it was Palmy North or somewhere up there. But anyway, he'd just done the race. He did his first marathon and he'd done a 2.59, so he was pretty stoked with that. And uh, he's, he does a bit of triathlon and stuff. And uh, and he obviously knew of you or listens to the show or something like that. And he was saying, oh, John got third. And I go, John got third? I'm like, I thought you put off a third overall. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's really impressive. And then uh, as he kept talking, I realized it was third in age group. I was like, oh, third in age group? <laughs> so, so what, the guys in front of you were just pretty sharp, were they? Oh. Uh, Hold on, I've got somebody at my door, Bevan. Go, go answer the door. I'll, I'll talk. Oh, he's got a nice new top on, John. I haven't seen that top before. Well, John, while John's going to the door, I'll just talk about the Christchurch Marathon. So it was really interesting at the Christchurch Marathon. They had an icy race. Oh, I'm breaking the, the table next to me. And uh, the guy would have broken, broken the course record, but and the ice was absolutely terrible. So the guy ran like a 2.16, which is pretty smoking. And he probably would have gone faster than that if it wasn't for the ice. So anyway, back to you, John. So the guys in front of you, what's the story? Well, this is why Athlinks is so fantastic. Uh, there was a, I'll talk about a lot of IM Talk influence out there shortly, but one guy who was just in front of me, and he's actually, he came and did the Blue 70 Wetsuit Aquathon Challenge a few years back. Oh, really? Uh, he just beat me, beat me by about 30 seconds. But I thought, oh, what's all this guy about, you know? Um, his name's Kevin Cody, so I just popped onto Athlinks, put in Kevin's details, he's on there, and go check him out. He's done an 856 Ironman. Oh, wow. He's been to been to Kona, did 9.15 over here in Kona last year. And so I just kind of really like that, you know, f- to, to, to do your research on other people around the world. Um, you can just pop onto Athlinks and I was going to, I wanted to give myself a bit of self-reassurance that, yeah, I actually raced okay <laughs> and I can go and just suss out Kevin's results and he, he's got some pretty good runs in there and stuff and uh, some good results. And I was going to check out a couple of the other dudes as well because I got totally, we got totally smoked by a couple of dudes and I wanted to just suss out their uh, 
now the results now, and make sure uh, I'm not too far off the pace. Now, are these? Do you know if those the dudes in front of you? So obviously, one of them wasn't wasn't in your age group, so it doesn't matter so much. But the one who was mm. smoking you in your age group, are they going to Kona John? He was he was right on the fence. It was an Australian guy. Um, what was his name? Uh, and I think he took his slot because we had two slots in our age group and it roll, I let it roll past me. So one of those guys must have taken it. I think it was the guy that got, uh, that got second. So let me just have a quick look here. We had uh, Rich Munro. Might have been him. Rich Munro from Australia. Yeah. Oh, and uh, th- those guys just uh, dominated me. So how, me so how much, although insane like, that you've just come off a camp, so you're obviously not in your best yeah. condition. But still, Rich Munro, how fast did he go? He went 4.24, so he wasn't actually that far in front of me. He was only three minutes in front of me, and I lost eight minutes to him on the bike. So I swam the same. I ran quicker, but I just got crushed by those guys on the bike. You know, 2.21 versus my 2.28. And then the other fella, he, what did he go? He went uh, 2.19. He was in the 30 to 34. So, yeah, just a just need to pick up my bike, Bevan. We'll talk about that later. But I just want to really point out athlinks.com. I can now go on, plug those guys' details in. Even if they're not Athlinks men- uh, members, it'll still bring up some of their results. But guys like Kevin, who was just in front of me, I can then go suss out all his results and I know where I'm going to hit him hard next time. Very good. So he's doing it. Below the talk. Debbie, I think the thing is, is you have become the motivation for a lot of athletes out there in the world right now because you haven't been shy on your your ability to perform at this race at the end of the year. You've definitely talked yourself up a big game and you keep laying the smack talk down. You don't, you're like, my approach was always be humble, play down my game, you know, I'm just trying to do my best and crap like that. Newsom's approach is I'm blooded out there and I'm going to keep laying it thicker and thicker and you keep doing it and uh, and I think there's a, quite a few people who are quite motivated to kick your ass in Kona. That's all I'm going to say. The, uh, We'll talk about that. I was pretty worried I was going to get checked out there for a while. That was a motivator run, but we'll talk about that later on. But if you guys want to check out, you know, if you if you just finished a race at the weekend, maybe you've done Escape from Alcatraz or you've done a 70.3 somewhere and you're going, what about those people just in front of me? You can pop on Athlinks. Hopefully they're on there. Even if they're not, they'll have some of their results there and you can just check out, uh, um, you know, how those people sort of rack up at other races and see, see how you might track if you go elsewhere in the world. So check it out on athlinks.com. Okay, John, but just one other thing before we get into the discussion of the week. Um, I did notice your Facebook post. This, is, this should have really been in the oh, new section. So, so I go okay. on a Facebook post, I am talking, John's posted something, and you know, we each do our own little post at times, but he's got WCC ranking has got it right. Now, if you go to the 35 to 39 age group right now in the world rankings, uh, John Newsom currently in first place, not far behind Phil, the, the Philinator Patterson. Yeah. That that ranking system is fantastic. There's no flaws in <laughs> no it whatsoever, flaws. as I put in the post. It's brilliant. And <laughs> and we had another campers. We had Chrissy McKinley, who's uh, who's been on the camp, and she's currently ranked number one in the world as well. Zania the Stalker Morrison, she's currently ranked fourth in the world. Uh, so yeah, this system it's brilliant. It's got to stay. It's so, stay. So, so wait a second. Have you looked at last year's re- winning results? I wonder what you actually need. You know, because of. Because how many, how, how many races is it based on? I think you have five. Five, I think. So you'll do four so, WTC races this year? Yeah, let's, I'll have, uh, I'll have, we'll have a look at that as we go through the show. I'll pull it up when look, we're talking about it. Look, he's loving it. You should see. I can and, see his eyes. Uh, he's sparked up, team. He's excited. Yeah, it's good. What do you it's need good. to get it's a, a gold? You, you've, you're guaranteed you got oh, it, aren't you? I'll definitely get a gold. Ah, it just peasants. Peasants. If you can yeah. you're a peasant. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, so discussion of the week. So we got a great email from Tony Hodge last week just kind of saying um, 
You know, it seems to be that WTC have seem to have a bit of a male dominance when it comes to getting the male celebrities on, as in celebrities to do the WTC's Ironman World Championship. And she was just wondering, if we were to get more females involved, who would we want to see? And I said no Pamela Andersons for the bloody pervs out there, but, you know, who who were some females who we think would be probably A, good to bring profile to the sport, but B, also do the race the respect that it needs. Jombo. And, and you got rid of the uh, of Pamela Anderson, but Justin Hewitt said Katie Price, a.k.a. Jordan. Oh, really? You know Jordan? Yeah. This, she, She's like the UK version of Pamela Anderson. Yeah, I do know. She was the one with Peter Andre, wasn't she? That's right. Yeah, yeah, you know your whoa, pop culture. Mysterious girl. girl. Okay, yeah, Paul Dean's got Angela Jolie. She might be uh, bring triathlon a different uh, Angelina effect. Uh, Mark Chapman said Davina McCall. So she's a bit of a UK celebrity. And she swam bike run at the length of, was from Edinburgh to London. And they, they do some fantastic stuff over in the UK. It's, um, it's for, yeah, all for charity. Really. And she raised $2.2 million. And I remember that guy, Eddie, the, the comedian Eddie Izzard. He, yeah. he, he ran or something the length of uh, the UK. So like Davina McCall. 50 days. Yeah, Davina McCall did a fantastic job with that. And uh, I guess she'd bring a lot of UK attention, but I wouldn't say she's a, a worldwide celebrity. Um, Iron Girl 101's got Ellen DeGeneres, who uh, she, she's just mentioned the publicity that would come with that. And it's definitely true. Ellen's kind of one of the world's biggest stars, mm. so that's true. Mm. Glenn Mitchell said Cameron Diaz or Jessica Biel are famous for being the fittest ladies in Hollywood. You couldn't get much more famous. Some of the names listed I've never heard of. These two would give absolute maximum exposure to the sport. Scott Could Watt. not agree more with that. Yeah, although in saying that, we've never on the male side of things, we've never actually had like a Brad Pitt. You have never had a top top level. If we think of the, you know, Gordon Ramsay is probably the biggest celebrity oh, I've ever. Definitely say he's the biggest. Yeah, like who else is there? Like they've had a few reality stars and. You know, maybe American sports stars, but not like worldwide. Like Gordon Ramsay is definitely a pretty household mm. name, isn't he, around the whole world? Oh. Uh, Matthew yeah. Bin's got, um, come on, people, a real female celebrity who is a triathlete already, Pippa Middleton. Yes, that would, uh, yeah, that would be good. Uh, Jones Karlstrom says Merit Bjorgen, cross-country ski star and Olympic and world champion. If she learns to swim, she would win that race. Okay, Andy, I'm going to, how do you say that one? Um, Andy Balasquiski, I'll say. Uh, yeah, that was hopeful at best. Oprah, okay, wait, seriously, I love this point. Um, I was wondering the same thing. If they were going to do this year in, year out, please give one slot to a male and one slot to a female. And who should that be? Someone typical. I don't want to see an Olympic athlete changing sports. I want to see a typical person, male or female celebrity, actually do what we do. I'd love to see someone like Natalie Portman, Pink, Sandra Bullock, big name, that has a chance but didn't uh, become one just as an athlete. Mm. Uh, again, another bit of uh, the UK influence here, Dame Kelly Holmes. Uh, she's already does some duathlons, and she was the Olympic champion, oh, it must have been either 2000 or 2004, over the 800 and 1500. Yeah, a lot of people track. come in with her. Tom Ward and both um, Jeff Everson came through as well. Um, I'll do one more, and I'll go um, Tim Ford, Marriott uh, Borgen. The Norwegian cross-country skier. Honestly, she would have to be one of the fittest women alive. That would be an interesting transition, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. So those, those cross-country skiers and ice skiers and stuff would be outstanding. I'll do one last one. Glenn Newbold. This is for our Kiwi listeners. Helen Clark. <laughs> nice.
ex-prime minister. She's a former prime minister. <laughs> Don't know how much exposure that would bring. Who, who would you want to see, Jumbo? Well... I would love to see uh, uh, an awesome runner. I don't know how much exposure that would would bring, but someone like uh, Paula Radcliffe to see how fast they can they can really run. Um, that I don't know that if you're going for maximum exposure, then obviously it would have to be someone like um, you know Cameron Diaz or something like that. So from an athletic point of view, I'd love to see a uh, a runner come across to both Olympic and Ironman distance. But from a, a PR stand of point of view it would definitely be um one of those hollywood rock stars who was, who was the one who just broke up with chris martin you know the coldplay singer and his wife gwyneth paltrow is it you know gwyneth paltrow yeah oh, yep, yeah, gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. i think she'd be a good one just because she's actually created a profile as a content provider around health and lifestyle um mm-hmm. i don't really know much about the kind of content work she's created but she's definitely spent a lot of time building this kind of other businesses alongside a celebrity around you know, that health and lifestyle choices kind of stuff. And so she could be a really good choice because she obviously already has an audience in that area and so she'd expose there'd be the celebrity aspect, but also she could, you know, promote what we do to her audience as well. So she'd probably be a pretty good choice. Mm. Jombo, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is what is the stupidest – this probably comes after last weekend, does it? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So – with Crowe getting played DQ'd because of wearing a, a long sleeve blimmin' thing – what we want to know is what are the stupidest rules in triathlon and if there was one rule you could change, what would it be? So if you could do whatever you wanted and you want to change one rule, what would it be? Simple as that, Jumbo. Pretty simple. Straightforward. Okay, Jumbo, what's our next section? John's race report? Or We're going to do, uh, do, do, the, do the camp, a bit of a camp uh, update on how, how the camp unfolded. So I was just going to, for the people that listen to the interviews we've got later on, a quick rundown of the camp. Day one on the Kona camp, we biked the Ironman course and then had a, a run off the bike. We heard about that last, on last week's show and then we had a 1500 metre swim down at the pier. Day two, we went for a 3K swim down at the pier. We had a 1,500-metre handicap race. And what I did with that is I uh, got everybody's Ironman times, divided them up, and worked out a predicted 1,500-metre pace. I not, not, you, to, not you, but as in, like, how did your handicap go? Pretty good. Yeah, no, we had some pretty tight finishes. And, you know, just as I was swimming into the beach, I was passing a couple of people right at the end there. So um, it wasn't, wasn't bang on, but a lot of people had uh, P- P- um, swim PBs, which were like downriver swims and stuff like that. So it worked out pretty good. Beth Scholes took that out nice. uh, from, from the UK. And I kind of went to the wrong swim boy. So it uh, <laughs> never helps. <laughs> Didn't, didn't do so well, should have followed the locals. And after that, we went down to the Energy Lab and ran 10 miles or 16 Ks from the Energy Lab back to our accommodation. Man, it's it's hot out there when you've only been in Kona for a couple of couple really of days. It's, crazy, ser- it's seriously hot. What kind of temperatures run. have you been getting? Uh, we have been getting quite a bit of rain, but on that day it was reasonably sunny. It's it, you know it's like it's always 30, 31, 32, yep. uh, high humidity, and when it's sunny it's just uh, just roast your gonads off. <laughs> and then and then, and then one addition we had to the camp from last year we had a bit of, I had a bit of feedback saying everything was really cool, great, but let's have a little bit more competition out there. So we added in a, a hill climb. Uh, this year on our bikes we had the that swim and the run in the morning and then that afternoon on day two we went out to the um, climb up what was it called Hina no it's a fantastic climb that goes up past Costco and it's out near the airport and Ian Wood 
took it out of the blocks, smoked it, Phil and I off the blocks, got a nice big buffer, and this hill was a brilliant climb. It just kicked up and up and up and up, and at the very finish, it would probably would have been over 15%. It was oh, wow. about a five-kilometer climb. He took that out. So wait, was it a handicap, was, or was it just everyone go? It was a straight race, straight race up. Oh, well done, Ian Wood. He would have been loving beating the boys. He, he, he was pretty happy. Um, comes with an it comes with an asterisk though because he didn't ride with the big boys on the first couple of days. So oh, listen to the excuses. Listen to the excuses for being, for being a softy. Day three was our epic day where we biked from uh, Kona over to Hilo. Uh, so 200 kilometres in total with over 2,400 metres of climbing and it just it's an up and down real roller coaster of a, of a ride and when we got there to, to Volcano we had a little run over the volcano and it was, it was one of those days that really brought the whole group together because it was just so epic and there was just carnage all over the place and really? people blowing up and struggling and, and just getting through the day but um, a lot of people really found that once they got through that one they could uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel and uh, Was it, was it just, amazing running yeah. around the volcano? Oh, it's awesome. It's, really? it's a real highlight. It was uh, one of the, the most classic parts was we, we have to shuttle people to the start of the, the run from where we have our, our lunch break. It's cause, just because the roads are quite narrow around the, the vol- sort of the rim of the volcano. Yeah. And we got there and there's a little viewing platform and you stand there and you just look over this gigantic crater that was the inside of the volcano. And we're standing there in our running gear and uh, Scott Blackman was standing next to me and some tourists are standing next to him and she says, you guys are going for a run. You're not. You're not going running down there, are you? And he said, "Hell no, don't be stupid." And then <laughs> you I sort of point. I pointed down the bottom and said, "Scott, you see those little dots running across the bottom? That's uh, that's Phil and the others down there already halfway through their run. So it's it's just a fantastic. Right, run. when you look in the volcano, you see the lava and everything. Like it's no, no, this not this part. This is just um, are there parts where you can. Yep, you can fly over. Um, I'm not sure how active it is at the moment, but there's certainly parts which um, when Belinda and I were here in 2005, we could drive to a part and go for a walk and you could look across in the dark and you could see the, the, um, the lava going into the sea. It's pretty funky. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm. So then we had to roll down the hill 50 kilometres to Hilo and, uh, and the first part of that was an absolutely bucketing rain, which was not much fun at all. Going downhill, you know, 50, 60 k's an hour and uh, straight into the rain was pretty tricky never been to Hilo before and the, do you know one thing about Hilo there is a crap load of traffic lights as you come into Hilo oh, really? and this is the Ultraman course and Ultraman oh, okay. is you know there's only 30 people in the race and it's apparently it's a real nifty strategy to try to get the run of the lights because you've got to stop at a light if you do if you go through a red light you get disqualified straight away oh. and uh, coming into Hilo I don't know there must be a good 10 sets of lights and some of them take Forever to change. It sucks if you're racing it. Like you see, they've changed the coast to coast for next year because the coast to coast is which is the race that John and I talk about every year in New Zealand. And it's a uh, you go from one coast of the South Island to the other coast in one day, and it's a really iconic event. But the last 70k of the bike ride, you know, pretty much the last 30k of the bike ride, not you know, probably even 20, 25k, you go through like 30 sets of lights. And so if you're mm. racing, it just do your head in. Whereas I've changed the course this year or next year, so you don't go through lights and you actually end up in a different beach and. It must frustrate you if you're racing a race and you have to stop at traffic mm. lights. Totally. Mm-hmm. And uh, So then we were in Hilo and I had very low expectations of what Hilo was going to be like as a place. All I knew was they get about three metres of rain per year. Oh, really? It's just one of the rainiest places on the planet. And we, we certainly experienced that a couple of times, but thankfully it wasn't when we were training. But um, we stayed at Hilo Seaside Hotel. 
cool little Kona, uh, cool little Hawaiian style hotel. If you're ever going over to Hilo, that's where I'd recommend you stay. And then we went out and we did the rest of the Ultraman course and down to a road called Red Road. And I um, I posted that on I think on my Facebook profile and also on my blog. Brilliant, brilliant ride. We had to climb back up and then we did a loop and you're going along the coastline on this fantastic road, no cars at all. You can just see this amazing blue water just crashing wow. in over the, uh, the lava. It was, um, yeah, it was a pretty special day and then climbed back out of there and it was a 120k ride. And then we, uh, we went and took over the uh, Hilo Pool, which is a 50-meter um, outdoor pool and we took over one section had a 50 metre race you would have been loving it Bevan I would have taken it out race. You know? yeah. and then we had a 50 metre 50 meter, uh, kicking race as well who, who won the 50 and metre race? Scott Blackman took out um, both boys events um, I did get held back on the 50 metre sprint so I wasn't too yeah, happy all about I hear that. of you is excuses when it comes to 50 metre races it's I all I ever hear I know and one other thing we did do that morning we did a 5k guess your time and oh, I, nice. said my, I said, said, you, said to the group, you don't want to be maxing out a 5K just before the race. We'll do a 5K. I want you to run at around about um, half Ironman pace. And, and you're, everybody predicted their time. And we had Neil Scholes took that out. He got within 20 seconds of nice. his uh, predicted time, which is pretty impressive. And then the Philinator was first across the line. And then I think our largest margin, who was the worst out, was four minutes over five kilometres, which was pretty woeful pacing. Four minutes? Who was that? Name and shame. Nadi and Tim, uh, Tim Lowe managed to take out the end. He knew he was so far off his pace, he even sprinted somebody at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, so that was, uh, that was uh, one, our day in Hilo over. And the next day we left Hilo and we we're sitting there at breakfast and the Hilo rain was just pummeling down. Everybody's just looking at me going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then the rain managed to stop and uh, cleared up, and we just hit the road on time and did 120. Why, why would you not ride in Hawaii in the rain? Because it's it's. it's warm. Oh no! This was this was proper proper oh, torrential really? rain. Really? Like you wouldn't. That would very very dangerous. Um, Again, didn't really know what to expect with this bike ride, but it went from Hilo um, all the way along the coast and we came up via um, Waimea and then we dropped down into uh, the Manalani. Spectacular ride and you just, we, we heard um, Hilary Biscay talking about this on Ultraman. Uh, you just get all these different changing environments as you go through. You know, Hilo's very wet and on one side of you have these tropical rainforests and then you have this amazing blue sea off to the right and you can see a bit of lava down there as well. Well, and as you slowly climb your way up um, to, to get over to the other side of the island, it all turns into you know lush um, pasture and there's cattle and everything out there. It was just a, an amazing day, and we were taking it very very easy, so it was, it was pretty enjoyable. And then you have this mad ass descent down to Kauai High from uh, Waimea. I managed to hit uh, what did I hit 81.1 kilometres per hour, and there was a bit of a headwind, so I was, I was pretty pleased with that. And I, I think it was uh, top speed of the day. Oh, nice. And then we uh, rolled into Kona, and then we had an easy day, and then we rocked out with the Kona 70.3, and everybody did pretty well at that race. So before we talk about your race, how did everyone go in the race? Anyone in particular who did extremely well? How did uh, Dr. Filger go? 
Dr. Feelgood, uh, Dave's wand, finished in fourth place in his age group. Got oh, uh, got on the they, they do the over here. They do uh, top five gets on the stage. So he got himself a nice nice little uh, bowl. Dr. Feelgood was pretty happy with that. And we also had uh, Ian Wood get himself a seventy point three slot for uh, Montrom Blanc because his wife is already going. So he oh, got great. a got a slot there. And. Um, we're, again, with this event, we had a predict your time element to it. Uh, so it's a guess, guess your time. And Neil Scholes, who won the run event, t- take a guess how close he was to his time, Bevan. Well, you, no, you told us within 20 seconds. No, that was in his 5K run. Oh, as so in the a, race you did the time. Th- th- this, this is a half iron, man. So take a guess how close he was to his predicted time. Oh, I'm gonna, you, the way you're asking makes me think it's really quick. I'm going to say within 10. 10 minutes? 10 seconds. 10 seconds. One second. Really, that's impressive. So his uh, the guy knows his performance, eh? Doesn't he? Yeah. He knows he knows his body. We did see him standing in the finish line fifteen in the finishing shoot fifteen minutes before he crossed the line. But hey, that was, <laughs> that's okay. There was there was no rules stated. You couldn't do that. He was he, he predicted. I think it was five twelve. Is that right, Phil? Five five twelve, and he did five twelve in one second. Wow, that's that's pretty awesome. Mm. So, no, there were some great performances out there. Uh, what about the Philanator? How did the Philanator go? Philanator had a, had a solid day. Was it uh, seventh or ninth in the age group, Phil? Ninth. Ninth. So he was uh, solid, not spectacular, but like me, solid, but not spectacular. Solid, but not, hey, but it's, it's a B race. It's a C race. It was just training mm. day. Okay, let's talk about your race, Jumbo. So you turn why, why, don't we, why don't we chuck in another sponsor here, Bevan? Okay, let's so, do sponsor. Uh, Coffeesofwai.com, Bevan. Oh. I can see the sp- We've got the videos going. I can see the smile on Bevan's dial. My my big bloody suitcase is sitting right in front of me, and I've got two packets of coffees of Hawaii decaf waiting for Bevan for when he gets home. Bro, I'm just really interested to see. I'm going to have it as late at night as I can. I'm going to go 11 o'clock at night in my decaf and see if I can go to sleep. Nice. Might not give be the wisest strategy of all time, but I'm going to give it a go. No, and, and so during the week here, we had a lot of coffees of Hawaii coffee, and the guys have absolutely been uh, lapping it up. John, I have to say, I have to actually talk about something here about coffees of Hawaii, because I, I, I went out, I went out the other day, I went out the other day for a coffee somewhere, and I thought oh, I had myself a vanilla coffee, and it's not something I do a lot, but I remember when we were in Epic Camp, one time you had a lot of vanilla coffee, and I got a hooked on it, because their vanilla coffee is absolutely sensational, and normally when I go out, for, I normally, I'm a bit more of a tea drinker when I go out for coffee and stuff like that, or or a bit of a hot chocolate, and occasionally I'll get a coffee, but this time I thought, nah, vanilla, John, it was absolute crap, and I, the thing is, <laughs> I think I've been ruined by Coffees of Hawaii, because that time we did Epic Camp, and you, you must have got an extra amount of vanilla coffee, and I was just lapping it up, because it was so beautiful, and it was just, after that, there's nothing else. Nice. Vanilla hey, coffee, what, coffee, it's dead to me unless it's Coffees of Hawaii. Coffees of Hawaii has made it all the way to Afghanistan. See? On their, on their Facebook page, they've got some, uh, some of the troops there all holding up their Coffees of oh, Hawaii. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and also remember they've got their Father's Day roast uh, still available, uh, coffeesofhawaii.com. Just check it out at imtalk.me click on the link and that'll take you through with all the promo codes and what have you and any questions much like all our sponsors if you've got any questions on shipping or anything like that just pop them a note and uh, especially for you overseas listeners and they will sort you out just on that front just on that front team do check out the vanilla coffee if you do like a bit of flavour in your coffee some people do like to add you know the spices or different kind of flavour to the coffee check it out because it is really good so when you do your order 
just chuck some vanilla in there and I'm sure you'll be hooked like I was. Okay, Jombo, so you turn up to the race, you've had a week of training, you've had to coordinate everything. It's poor you, I thought, you know, leading into <laughs> yeah. this race. Poor John. <laughs> That's um, what Belinda says as well. Yeah, yeah. And Jen, I was talking to Jen. Those girls have been struggling, John. They have been. Yeah. I've seen Jen quite a few times in the last week and she said, oh, I, we need our men. Life's so hard without our men. No. I'll just I'll pass that message on to Phil. Phil, apparently the girls uh, they need us back home. Bevan's telling us that they really need us. Yeah, Jen, it's just every yeah. time I saw her, it looked like tears just stopped before I saw her. She was just struggling. Yeah, yeah, I can I can sense that. Yeah, I can sense it. <laughs> it's coming through loud and clear. Yeah. Okay, so so you tell us first of all how were you feeling leading into the race? Because obviously you guys, it's it's not like a proper race where you're trying to go into a tapered or anything like that. Yeah, so part of past experience, I um, yeah, I was I was possibly a little bit more tired going into this one than I had uh, previous events. I think the main thing for me is I wasn't, you know, it's it's so busy this week, and even the day before the race over here, whilst we don't do any training for whatever reason, we are just piss farting around all day doing stuff, and there's no real downtime. So in terms of really hyping myself up for the event and having a really detailed race plan, um, I didn't didn't really have that this time. Um, but yeah, I was still pretty confident going in. You know the training had gone well for the week um my biking had been going really well before leaving so i was um i was still feeling pretty good so wait, wait, wait oh, a couple of things was hmm. the, the biking not go well on the camp the biking did go did, did go pretty well but uh and that was one of my big objectives for the race was to to have a really strong bike ride last year i'd been you know a little bit soft on myself and was a bit conservative thinking i just want to have a good steady day but you know my objectives for the race were to have a really good swim because um, i was swimming better than i did last year and i had a crap swim last year so i changed my positioning and really um wanted to be very very fast off the line and uh, and then the bike you know i had some power numbers i wanted to try to hit on the bike um and the, but the run was the, the real big unknown for me and I was just um, just going to see whatever happened on the run didn't really place any expectations but you know I, I wanted this race to be uh, practicing as many things as I could for October so that meant uh, practicing using my uh, swim skin um, practicing using the white long sleeve skins top practicing my nutrition and just really trying to dial in as many things and if anything didn't go to plan then I would just uh, shelve it and, and not do it and this is where there was the, the crowy incident was, was really um, quite interesting interesting for Phil and I because we both wanted to wear our long sleeve white skins tops and we're trying to figure out how the hell are we going to get these things on mm. uh, because they're really tight and you're obviously wet coming out of the swim and so first first strategy was you know we'll try to roll it up like you do with bike sleeves um, or, or arm warmers in a race and you can roll them up and then you can sort of roll them down as you get going that didn't work and then I tried to sort of do an inside out technique and that didn't work and so I pretty much conceded it's just not going to happen I'm not going to be able to get this bloody thing on for the race and I was pretty annoyed about it and I thought I'll just um I'll just give it a go on race day and, and see if I can get it on. If I can't get it on, I'll just chuck it back in my transition bag. But then I got up in the morning and was sort of packing up my stuff and then, hey, presto, figured it all out. What did you do? Just get the plas plastic bag, just like the wetsuit, get the old supermarket bag, plonk that in my transition bag, put my arm th straight through that, and the top went on like a wetsuit. It was oh. gold. Oh, you're a genius, Newsom. First of all, you're pill popping, and now this. Yeah, and this was like at 4.20 in the run race morning, and I figured it out, so I was pretty happy about that. Did you that. let Phil and Ed know about that trick? 
Phil was in on it as well. Oh, and uh, So we were away. But we, we did also practice. Uh, the reason why I go back to the Crowy incident, we actually went out that evening and actually practiced swimming with our, our skins tops on underneath our swim skins. Yep. Um, and it actually worked, even though we looked like dorks with our, with our, with our white long sleeve tops with the black blue 70 um, swim skins over the top. Uh, you know, I said, you know, these are tight enough that, yeah, that might cost us just a fraction of time in the swim. But in transition. It's going to be it's going to be gained in transition. So I thought, yep, we're going to do that. And then we uh, came back to our rooms and we got informed by a couple of people on the camp that that was actually a rule infraction. Infraction and uh, and Crowy obviously had not been reading the rule book because you cannot have anything lower than your shoulder. So so yeah, that was um, Crowy should have been should have been reading the, the rule book. So anyway, rocked up to the race and uh, pros were off three minutes before us and just. I, so wait, I, how many pros I, were going? How many like guys and girls go at the same time? Would have been probably twenty, I'd say at most. So it's pretty small so field. Girl, girls, yeah, girls and boys started together. So this year I, I changed my plan a little bit. I, I entered the whole start area, you know, a bit like an America's Cup yacht race. I thought I'm going to come in from a different angle here, nice. and I came in came in right from the front rather than trying to to, to come through through people from uh, from the, the the back of the course and just plonk myself right in the middle of the course. And did the old starfish technique, just pushed everybody out of my way, and uh, and boom! As soon as the the gun went, I was right at the front. Did you join you some three seconds early trick? That there was a bit of creep going on. <laughs> I've got a there was a bit of creep going on. So uh, got off to a fantastic start, and and found it, and, and and had a guy swimming next to me, and just sort of bugger this. I'm just tucking straight behind him, and I, and I knew that there would be people off the left that were swimming the wrong lines because there's quite a, a strong drift there, and so we swam a fantastic line to the first buoy, and we were right you know right at the, the front of the front pack, and I just sat there for the rest of the swim. It was perfect. John. Didn't use up very much energy, and uh, I was loving it. When you're when you're doing like when you're on someone's like shoulder, do you do much sighting yourself or do you just trust them? I basically just trust them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. within reason. Like especially on, on this, the, luckily on this course, there was uh, quite a bit of buoy action. You could see them fairly clearly. So I just check from time to time. Um, but I, 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 I probably look to left and right quite a bit to see if there's any bunches off to other sides and just sort of use that as a bit of a sighting mechanism. But for the most part, I trust the people in front of me. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty easy swim. And I, I, I looked up a few times and I, could, I thought there was one or two maybe off the front, but I knew I was in the, the front of the front pack uh, so, so sitting in second place. So I was, uh, I, was, I was really pleased. So nobody was sort of getting away too much. So it was a great swim. Did you catch me of the pros? Uh, we did catch a few, yeah. We did catch a few. We caught quite a few of the girls early, early on in the bike ride, um, but yeah, we did, we did catch a few. So coming out of coming out of the swim, uh, there's a usual carnage. You know, everybody seems to want to be first out of the swim, so there's just guys sprinting all around me. I was just, uh, just relaxing, thinking, "You guys are a bunch of idiots. Just chill out. <laughs> Got a long way to go." And came came out of the swim and grabbed my top and got my top on and uh, they had a, the opportunity to pick up your race bags, your, your sort of bike gear before you start running up the hill but most people just leave them on their bikes but I put mine there, grabbed it and so I'm running up the hill and I had my strategy, I think, get my white top out, get the supermarket bag out, get it on, I'll shove everything else down, my, down the front of my top, pull my sw- swim skin down to my waist, start getting it all on and by the time I get to my bike I was going, sweet, I've got my white top on, I'm ready to rumble and Put helmet and glasses on, and boom, out of there. Oh. Sweet transition. Didn't lose any time. Formula One. Very, very little time. Formula One. And, uh, and, and then you ride up this hill, 
got on my bike and bloody one of my straps came out of my shoes. And I'm going, oh, God damn it. And then uh, got that back on. And I'm sort of looking down going, Som- something's not quite right here. And then I thought, jeez, left my damn swim skin on. Oh, no. <laughs> if you not... <laughs> Have you not seen that? No. <laughs> it is cold. Oh, is there a photo of it? Is there a photo on your Facebook? Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, I think I've got one up there yet, but the, I made a comment on Facebook. And, uh, wait a second, don't talk, because when I, when, I, when I do a website, it, it blocks out. So wait a second, give me two seconds. Okay, you're here now. I'm on your Facebook. Okay, I'm trying to, I'm just seeing photos. I've got, you got, you got your team photos up. I might not. It's basically, it, it wasn't that big a deal. Lots of people going, you idiot, you idiot. <laughs> Stop. But uh, I did feel like a bit of a tool. But it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. It gave so wait, me a little so, bit more compression. So wait a second. So your swimsuit, you, 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 you have your cycle shorts underneath your swimsuit? So I, I have my one-piece one Iron Talk tri-suit, and then I have my blue 70s swim skin over the top. And the idea and so is you want to take that off and then put your top on. Yeah, so I'd roll that down to my waist, and I'd got my long sleeve um, skins top on uh, over the top. But forgot and then to take I'd the forgotten, pants off. Forgotten to take the pants off, so oh, I effectively gold. had two pairs of pants off. So and, it actually uh, wasn't a Formula One transition at all. No, no. Well, it was, but yeah, it was. Uh, it, it didn't really have any effect. It was. Um, yeah, I thought people might find that pretty entertaining. Oh, that is gold. So, got on the bike, and I was unlike. Previous year, I was sort of by myself and there was nobody around. I was all feeling a bit lonely, needed a Bevan cuddle, but he uh, wasn't there. I would have been there for you. Yeah, so uh, I was very much sort of settling into my own own rhythm and the watts weren't coming very easy and my legs were a bit sore and I was going, God, just somebody. And then somebody caught me up and I thought, sweet. And I was riding like way too hard keeping up with him and then he dropped me and then I kept going and he's sort of riding up towards Harvey and another guy catch me and I was like, man, people I shouldn't be catching me and he dropped me and then another dude caught me and he dropped me. And uh, so I got, got, got up to Harvey and, and my power was, um, was a bit below what I, probably about 10 watts. Um, 10 to 15 watts below where I wanted it to be and then I was particularly lazy coming down from Harvey I was just trying to have a bit of, bit of regrouping time um, just thinking right let's just if I take it easy do a bit of freewheeling there was a bit of a tailwind I thought maybe I'll be able to pull this together and, and, uh, and have, have a decent run last, last section of the bike actually rode really strongly up the hill from Kauai High and then down the, the Queen K so the last 15k ended up being able to pull, pull myself together and rode really nicely there uh, and then moment of truth came off coming off the bike had a you know had to spend a bit of extra time in transition taking off my top and then taking off my um, <laughs> yeah, pants. skins pants and in, in that time a couple of girls who I'd passed just at the end of the the, the, um, the bike caught me up in transition, so I'm running out of transition, and I had Bree Wee, who's the local hero yep. over here. She was like on my tail, and like, man, she was just about salivating on the back of my tri-suit. She was so close, and everybody's just yelling at her to go, 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 and she is breathing up a storm behind me, <laughs> and uh, she hung in for for about a k or so, and then thankfully she she dropped off a bit, but I was. Felt felt really nice on the coming off the bike. I hadn't exerted too much energy on the bike, despite trying to push it. My power numbers were down, and my heart rate was down, and I hadn't used up as much energy just because I felt crap. And so, despite not having done much running, I just sort of got straight into a nice rhythm. And it's a very very tricky course over here, and just um, just kept going, and just felt fine. And what, what, just did, your foot was fine. Foot was fine, right. and my ankle was fine, and energy was was good, and just sort of right. Just keep tapping 
up and out. You can't really run to pace over here because there's so many twists and turns. You know, one minute you're doing a 420k, next minute you're doing 402, and so you just kind of got to run off feel for for large parts of it. But I was just tapping it out. It wasn't getting too hot. It was jogging through the, the aid stations, keeping myself cool. The heat was an issue, and I was reeling in uh, the guys that had passed me on the bike pretty quickly. And I was thinking, you know, I think that guy up in front of me, I think he's first place on the road um, for for the age groupers. And uh, so I knew I was going to mow him down. I could sort of see at each turn I was getting closer and closer. And then um, Kevin Cody caught me at about 10k mark. And I thought, right, we're, we're going to be first and second on the road. And then unfortunately, there's this long out and back stretch that you, you come from probably about 15 to 19k and it's the only chance if anybody's way off the front that you get to see them there and there was two guys way off the front oh really okay maybe uh maybe i'm not going to take this out and kevin was uh he probably got about 30 to 40 50 meters on me and uh this was at the 10k mark and i thought i don't want to quite go at this stage i'm just gonna stick with my stick to my guns and keep tapping it out and and we'll see what happens later on and then we got to that long stretch and the, the, the hunger was not there, Bevan, mm. I was, uh, I, I, and uh, I just didn't have it to, to, to run up to try to nuke myself to, to, to run up to third place and second in the age group. The hunger just wasn't quite there, um, so just sort of settled in. But I will say I was stressing quite badly about getting chipped in this race. So how far? <laughs> was, but, but you had the three-minute advantage. Had, had the three-minute advantage, but there's lots of out and back turns on the course and so I, I think the first split that I took I was uh, four minutes about four minutes 20 or four minutes 40 down which effectively meant I was one minute 40 down on oh. them and the girl Ange, Angela Neath she's, she's, a, she's one of the best 70.3 athletes around I was going she looks like she's running pretty quick I'm not quite sure if I'm going to catch her and so I kept taking my splits and I was I was closing it down but I was still thinking man if I blow up she's going to beat me and then finally on that last long out and back I was Got, I was within about a minute and a half, and I thought, sweet. And I ended up finishing a, about, I don't know, maybe 45 to 60 seconds behind her, so effectively a couple of minutes up. But that was a very strong motivator. <laughs> I just thought, I cannot come on the podcast and with any self respect with being checked after what I The I've pants were saying. bad enough, but if I got checked. So, so whilst I wasn't very hungry for getting uh, for, for really going deep to try to gain one more place, uh, I was very focused on making sure you I wasn't want to be shamed in your eyes. No, no. <laughs> so rolling into the finish, I've got to say, last year when I finished this race, I had to sit down for about forty-five minutes in the shade, just pouring water over me, icing. I was just out for the count. This year, cross the finish line. Wandered over, got my finishes medal and T-shirt and just thought, bloody hell, it just feels like I've just done a hard workout, but that's about it. So, so I was, uh, I was on the bike, were you trying to ride to power? I was trying really hard to and ride to power. And you couldn't keep your numbers up? Have no, I was just, just had sore legs and just very, very flat and, and uh, it's just, you know, it's a result of the camp, yeah, so I'm fatigue. not too stressed about yeah. it. If, again, if I'd, been, if I'd been hitting my numbers and getting smoked, then I'd be pretty worried, but I wasn't hitting my numbers. I know if I had hit my numbers then my bike probably would have been pretty competitive and I, I probably would have been in the hunt for for, for sort of uh, being right up there either first or second, I think. John, but the next question I have for you is um, what do you do from here on in? And this is probably good advice for everyone out there. So you've kind of done a big camp, it's done some big volume, finish it off with you know, a good tough race at the end of it. Um, there's obviously a travel component coming home, but what, what post-camp is the strategy for you guys and maybe the people who are on the camp? Yeah, so it's it's different depending on what people are doing. So Phil and I are you know be going into our 
Kona build. So we'll be taking one week um, just just active recovery work and then basically starting, I think it's around a 15 or 16 week build into the race. So for us, an easy week and then into sort of more, more general base and strength training. Whereas for the other guys, a number of guys are doing Coeur d'Alene or Austria. And one thing I really emphasize to them is they need to go home and it's really important that they don't stop training this week. They need to be um, training pretty much all week and just doing EPA, just doing active recovery, easy work, but but normal sort of volume. And then they'll have then two weeks of training and then a week of taper and they'll be they'll be on fire for their races. So it's quite a few guys that have got sort of uh, late June, early July races. So they're going to be in fantastic shape yeah great okay mm. um any other points from the race no i think just in general i feel like um lots of real positive things to come out of the sh- out of the race bit good swim really good run considering i've literally been doing next to no running i think i've probably had 10 runs since um middle of february so really really pleased to be able to handle the heat that was the number one that i was really stoked and and run a, a really competitive time over here and <clears> the bike the bike will come. You know, I just got to. Um, well, I think that's the thing. If, you, if going into the race, you know, before you even went on the camp, if you were to say, "Look, you're going to have a bad ride, but you're going to have a good run, or you have a good mm. ride and a bad run," which would you prefer? And I think you, you know, for your own confidence moving forward, obviously that run was pretty important. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I know lots of people always ask about nutrition. So here's a very quick rundown of my nutrition. Pre-race, I have two two M's power cookies, um, extreme endurance, salt stick, and then an hour before the race, I have uh, Generation You Can and, and a no dose on the bike. Uh, I had uh, about four to four and a half servings of Infinite and one to two servings of You Can and another no dose and plenty of water. And uh, I was planning on taking an M's power power cookie, but um, my stomach was just it was just a bit tricky in the heat and just didn't quite feel like it and then onto the run I take uh, two or three high five caffeinated gels uh, and then just truck loads of uh, water a bit of coke and that's pretty much the, the guts of it nice work okay sponsor trainerroad.com okay team so if you are if you are in winter right now somewhere in the world or you are looking for that kind of next level high volume training where you can just sit in focused environment this is a really great tool for you isn't it John it is a great tool, and I've just had a, a, an email from the Holy Hammer, and you're obviously you've been back in Christchurch saying how ridiculously cold it is. Well, the mornings are. It's, it's actually really beautiful winter days, so the, it's one of those kind of stupidly frosty mornings, but then turns out to be quite a beautiful day. But yeah, it's not. It's been pretty cold. I'm in Melbourne right now, but sheep as creepers. Last this weekend, whoo, it was cold. <laughs> Yeah, so for all you um, Kiwi listeners and Australian listeners and Southern Hemisphere ones who are going through winter, you know, it's a fantastic tool. Um, I really want to see more people just talk about this next week, uh, giving the old 125% of FTP a, a crack and see how you get on there. And again, if, you, if you're looking for, for an off-season focus, you know, um, they've got a number of different plans, whether you want to work on a 40K plan, whether you want to work on a 10-mile plan, whether you want to work on a different aspect, they've got the... Uh, they've had like a tour of California or if you just yeah, if you're going through winter perhaps having uh, more of a, a run focus then you just want to tick over with a couple of uh, couple of bikes per easy a uh, couple of easy bikes per week or just have something interesting to do you can get on there you don't have to have a kicker or, or a compu trainer or anything like that a power meter is helpful but if it doesn't have if you don't have power they can do predictive power so just a fantastic motivating tool for you to um, for you to just keep your biking going or if your bike wants to be focused uh, hit it so check it out trainingroad.com yeah and I think that's a really good point John because you're fine with a lot of athletes I was speaking to someone the other day I can't remember who it was but they were talking about how 
they're really great for goal and then when they come out of the goal period it's like they're a different person who just lacks motivation and I know that you know like we all go through times like that where we are really motivated to achieving some big goal like obviously John going for Kona this year and, and we have all these big goals and then you come out of this period and you have that lost focus and you may not want to go for a race at, at that time of year or something like that but if you can tap onto one of those kind of cool motivational things like doing a tour of California it's just those little things of motivation that keeps your training good enough in your off season that you come into your next season you know in a much better condition to actually build from so it's just a really good tool that actually helps you keep motivated in those tough times eh? that's right so next up we're just going to have a couple of uh, interviews with uh, some of the epic campers most of them are pretty short so we'll throw them in now and you can hear about some of the guys that have been over here okay good times rock and roll Okay, uh, normally we have Rick Laird as one of our key support members of uh, Epic Camps in Kona, but this year he took on the challenge, and uh, how did you find the camp, Rick? It was absolutely fantastic. Watching the athletes last year and the year before going through this, and then finally getting to do it myself was was amazing. Um, I've got an Ironman in, in a month, and this is the perfect training for that. Um, very, very tiring, um, but and I was at the back a lot but um, got everything done and it was, it was really, really good. Um, you've obviously seen it before. What were your expectations coming in? Um, tired and cranky. <laughs> I knew that I would get there at some point and there were some days that um, I was a bit short um, uh, uh, um, attitude-wise, but I, you, know, you kind of just roll with the punches and, and get it done. That's the attitude to, to come into it. Um, and then just lots of, uh, lots of chamois butter. That was uh, definitely a must. So tell people about your sort of uh, level, and you're one of the bigger boys on the camp. So tell us sort of, sort of where you're at, and and what was uh, probably the toughest parts for you at the camp. Yeah, so my level, I'm um, um, my last uh, Ironman was um, around 15 and a half, which was injury based. But um, 12 and a half or 11 is 11 and a half is about my time. Um, I weigh 220 pounds, which is about 110 kilos. So some of the climbing was was pretty tough. But you just nut it out and, and go for it. So the climb over to the volcano was was long, but um, just tucked in and, and went. And, and working as a group with a guy, I was with Brett towards the back, and we just traded off doing a, um, a train and, and, and got it done. But um, it was good. And what were the highlights for you? I think by going over to the volcano was good, but that ride over in Hilo was by far the most beautiful ride I've ever done. And we just took it easy that day after a big day and in, in, uh, going over the volcano and then to Hilo. Um, took some pictures and stuff like that and sort of toned it down. Um, and then being able to race at the end of the week, I was um, really conservative with my bike and I ran really well off the bike, which I was extremely happy with. Yeah. Nice. And so what Ironman are you doing? I'm doing uh, Challenge Atlantic City. Um, and so that's June 29th. So I'll take a week of a little bit easier, back on the bike, um, end of the week, and a couple more big weeks of training, and then taper in. And what made you choose Challenge instead of doing a, an Ironman? Um, I've always liked, I've done Challenge Wanaka twice. I like the organisation. Um, I had looked at uh, Quebec, um, but it was full. And then when Challenge started to pop up, and just to support them in the US, um, I think they've got three races going now. Um, this will be the first one. So we'll see what they, how they run it over here. Um, and supporting Challenge as a competitor to WTC is a good thing. Anything else that sort of sprung up on the camp that um, you thought was particularly noteworthy? 
Well, the after after the racing is always a lot of fun, but that stays on the camp. Um, but yeah, no, it's just the camaraderie of being out on the road with people with that many people and the range of of abilities, how um, everyone works together. And and there are some people who are really fast on the camp. Some people like me who are not quite so fast, but everyone really mixed really w- mixed well. Um, and I just love the personalities that came in from all over the world. I love the fact that so many people came in from New Zealand, so I get to hear the accent and a little bit of uh, nostalgia from home. So that was that's always really nice to hear. Cool. Kick that in, uh, in Atlantic City. Yeah, well, and thanks, John, and, and to all the support staff. So Dave, Dwan, um, Marianne, and, and Mark. I mean, the, the support around the week is, is absolutely is amazing. Um, just, you know, after being on the other side and then coming in and actually just not having to worry about it. There's a couple of times I'm thinking about how logistics are going to work. I'm like, no, no, that's not my job right now. I'm just going to be an athlete and, and enjoy the enjoy the sport. It's fantastic. Thanks, John. Wicked. Good to have you here. Rick's got to go to the airport. <laughs> Next up, these guys are just off the airport, so we're catching up um, with them before they depart. But a new camper, David Doherty, welcome along and tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I've been uh, doing triathlon for about two years now. Uh, best uh, result was in Arizona, a little over 11 hours. And so coming into the camp, you know, didn't know what to expect. Um, but I was really looking forward to it. I saw the uh, people posting from last year and was pretty excited about it. I met all my expectations. You know, I, uh, I was just adding it up tonight, and I think we did about 450 miles of biking over which for me, that and the running and everything was about 35 hours, so it was a you know, huge, huge week. Um, but uh, ending with the uh, 70.3 in Hanu was fantastic. And uh, you know, the Monolani is a great place to, to finish it up, and so just enjoyed everything, made a lot of good friends. Obviously, you know, you've, you've followed um, Epic Camps on IM Talk. Um, was it easier or harder than you thought? Dependence on the day. <laughs> You know, there were a couple of days that were a little easier. The, uh, the climb up to the volcano was tough. You know, it, uh, I think it was 20K sort of climbing and pretty relentless. But, you know, it's beautiful scenery. The run through the volcano was a lot of fun. So uh, I could have done without the descent in the rain. But uh, following you and Phil was, was kind of a blast. Uh, but I kept looking at those uh, elevation signs going, okay, just keep going. We're, we're getting down off this thing. And it was good to see you in the IM Talk race kit out there. Um, what are your plans for the season? Well, so in a month from now, I'm heading off to Austria. So the family and I are going to do a little vacationing and uh, culminate in the Ironman there. Uh, so this was sort of a test. Uh, I think it was a pretty great block of training that I'm hope, hoping will really translate into a good result there. Awesome. It's always good to have IM Talk listeners on the camps. And um, well done. You, camp, you completed the camp and uh, you look pretty strong there on the bike. I had a great time. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Awesome. These guys got to go to the airport, so that'll do from David. Next up, who's also off to the airport, is uh, Tim Lowe, not Tom Lowe. He's not uh, six foot nine tall, and he's not uh, Chrissy Wellington's partner, but he, uh, he came on the camp for his 40th birthday. So you're pretty grateful for your wife right about now? Yeah, very grateful, but Tom Lowe is my uncle. <laughs> is he not, not that Tom Lowe? Different Tom Lowe? Tom Lowe. Different Tom Lowe. Okay. And uh, Tim's just had a few beers, so he's, if he's slurring his speech, uh, you know why. Um, maybe tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and um, ability-wise, where you're at, and uh, just so people get a bit of a feel for the different you know, standard of athletes on the camp. 
So I'm from London, England. Um, my best Ironman time is about 11.30. Um, last Ironman was 12.30. Um, the camp has been good. It's, I found I was kind of in the middle of the, the, the ability range, um, maybe behind on the swimming, but I think about average on the bike and maybe about average on the run as well. So um, obviously your wife got this as a, as a present, but have you been following the camps? And if so, did it sort of, was it what you expected? Easier, harder? Um, I have been following them, but mainly the Epic Camp. And when she said Epic Camp, I thought it was a full Epic Camp. Um, I think Epic Camp Light is, um, is it was perfect for me. It's the right sort of level of intensity. Um, a week is probably enough. I don't think I could do much more than this. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. Uh, what about some of the, you know, coming to Kona for the first time and having seen it all on TV and, and what have you? What, what, are, what were your impressions of um, the course in terms of the Ironman course? It seemed quite different from what I've seen on TV. Um, the course was tough, um, the heat especially. But over, I mean, it's great to be on on the on the the roads that you see on TV. It's great to see Palani and the lead drive and the Queen K. Um, but yeah, it's been tough, but mainly the heat. Pasty palms. Um, and for you, what were your your personal highlights of the week? The highlights were probably the, the rides out of uh, Hilo and ride up, ride up to Volcano. I liked it when it got windy and rainy, it reminded me of home. Um, the swims were fantastic. I didn't see the dolphins, but I saw turtles. The water was crystal clear and I enjoyed the race yesterday as well. Oh, these guys got to get off the airport, so uh, give your wife a big cuddle when you get home. Well, dude, thanks a lot, John. Awesome, brilliant. Okay, I'll write that down 54, 35. Okay, Jombo, we're back. And uh, last sponsor. Oh, we got left to go. We got Extreme Endurance, which saved my bacon during the week. Really? So I've been uh, taking Extreme Endurance every day and also been taking the Immune Boost. Now, part of the reason I take the Immune Boost is obviously to try to stay nice and fit and healthy um, and, and avoid sickness. But the other reason, you know, over here, you know, you're just sweating so much. And so it's got so many of those things. We, we eat really, really well over here, um, but just to... Just gives me that to make sure that I'm sort of covering a number of the you know the vitamins and multivitamins and all that sort of stuff to all that good stuff that sort of saves my bacon on that front and I think the majority of the people on the camp have uh, been using the extreme endurance for quite some time and certainly during the week you know it just makes sure that you can get through the camp with a, with a bit more ease and especially when we've got the race uh, at the end of it uh, just gives you that little extra boost to make sure that your legs aren't ridiculously tired you know for the ex- more experienced guys like Phil and myself um, you know we, we can sometimes handle this training a bit better but for people who are first time campers who haven't done this sort of volume then that can make a really big difference to, to make sure that they're in shape so if you're doing any epic camps yourself you know self um, solo epics or anything like that then uh, get on it and make sure it helps you get through your week yep it really seems a good plan actually just on uh, Facebook now Scott Molina he did um, Comrades Comrades I, I haven't yes. seen his results yet but it'll be interesting to see how he went so well done Scott oh, hopefully you got to the finish line I'm sure he you did he did get to the finish line nope Scott did he, he got there um, Phil had a look the other day it was was it 9 hours something Phil 9.25, something like that. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but he finished. Oh, I'd love to hear about the experience of Rodham Molina. You're a bloody legend. Okay, Jombo. Um, sponsors? Cough, coffees away.com. Uh, get the decaf. Athlinks.com. Just check out your competitors, even when they dominate you. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Trainerroad.com. Just a cool device to help you get better at cycling. Okay, Jombo. So uh, what's the plan from here on in? Phil's packing up around me. 
I've Has he packed yours up. as well? Tell him, you know, you could have done yours. I've got some excess luggage. It's going to be tricky to get all back. I've got all this Lego and everything to fit in, so we'll make it happen. And, yeah, we're just going to be doing a bit of work today and then heading home, get home Wednesday morning. What do you got planned? Well, we're in Melbourne, so um, just one thing. We'll do emails and stuff. You know, obviously, John and I have been away for the last few weeks, so we'll get back to a normal show next week if you didn't send her through any emails. But John and I are in Melbourne, actually, so we're on holiday for a week, which is uh, we're here till next Tuesday, which is really needed because it gets that time of year when you need a break. And uh, so we're doing that. But we did, I did the uh, commentary at the Christchurch Marathon, which is always good fun. And a uh, funny story from the days. You know how we often have that discussion around, it was a few funny stories. One poor old lady got face carnage big time at the finish line she was the poor lady she was what she was just hit the, hit the tired factor about 10 seconds to, before or 10 meters before the finish line and the poor lady just face planted the ground man it was not oh, no. pretty because you could see she was stumbling you know she was stumbling pretty badly and you're thinking oh she might fall here and she fell but just face head first into the ground it was not pretty the poor old lady but oh. You know how we often talk about that dilemma. If you're if you're having a marathon, if you're doing a race, and there's a chick coming up next to you who maybe win the race or maybe you you know top three, do you let them pass you as you get to the finish line? And what would you do, John? Uh, well, that, I was contemplating that thought uh, during the race because I figured, yeah, I may catch the first chick, and if she's around me. Uh, Chances are I would let her go. <laughs> I would either I would either make a really big effort with one k to go, or if we were coming into the finishing shoot, I, I would stop and wait thirty seconds. Unless there was somebody in my age group who was right there yeah. as well. But if the, if that wasn't happening, I would stop and let her, her roll through. Well, Sean the porno. He got dressed up as Buzz Lightyear to do the race, so he's got this Buzz Lightyear outfit on, and he's coming up the finish shoot, and the third place woman is coming in at the same time, I think maybe third or second or something like that, and what did Porno do? He took her out and went for the photo. Nice. <laughs> took her out. He did the Buzz Lightyear photo. He's got the superhero <laughs> photo happening. The third place, get a bugger her. I'm taking the glory. And you can see he sprinted, and then you can see he had the thought of, oh, maybe I should let her go, but it was too late, and he thought, bugger it, I'm going for it. He put the pose out there. <laughs> no. It was a gold moment. It was it was really a beautiful thing. He wasn't getting chicked either, I tell you. So, yeah. so it was pretty fun. And then you know, lots of people. You know what? It is awesome watching those big marathon starts. You know, I think they had around oh, maybe 5,000 people doing the race, which isn't even that big in the world scheme, scheme of things. But just when that start of a race, when you're on a stage, you obviously have a pretty cool view of it. Just seeing so many people taking off, going off in the distance, it's a pretty cool thing. So that's about it, really. A bit of shopping, John, and get my fashion up. And then uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a bit of relaxing, sleeping in, read a few good books, you know. Nice. And it's better. Good times. Yeah, so that's pretty much us. Good so time. next week, guys, we are back in the studio. We're back to normal for the next period of time. And uh, again, if you haven't checked out this month's Legends of Triathlon, you go to legendsoftriathlon.com. We've got Ray Browning on the show. Um, anything else? That's about it. No? Oh, well, good luck when your travel's home. Let's wrap it up. Thank you. You have a nice week. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.